Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. It's Rich Birch here, uh, your host. We have got a real treat here to kick off uh, the new year today. We have got speaker, writer, consultant, Greg Atkinson with us. Greg is a 20-year veteran uh, of church uh, work. He's just a, a real expert in so many different areas and a gift for us as we kick off the new year. Uh, and he's actually left uh, kind of in a local church environment to make himself more broadly available to serve churches, you know, all across the country, ultimately around the world. Uh, also is working at, with an online magazine right now. Greg, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe the online magazine that you're working with these days? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, I am uh, in a season right now where I'm speaking and I'm writing and doing some freelance writing and working on some book projects that will be coming out in 2014 and 2015. And then uh, I am the editor of Christian Media Magazine. It's an online magazine, and we're going in a new direction and uh, just have a whole new uh, look, whole new feel. We uh, went through a rebranding process and are coming out of the new year uh, going strong, uh, trying to reach all church leaders uh, of, of all types uh, to get them to read the magazine, to learn about media resources for them. Nice. Very cool. That's, you know, we'll link to that in the show notes uh, so that people can get a, get a sense of that and learn more about it. It's obviously a great resource for people uh, to plug into. Well, one of the things, you know, you wrote, uh, you know, you've written a number of books, uh, but in particular, and we'll talk about, the, uh, you know, your book a little bit later, but we, um, one of the books that you wrote most recently, which is on, I have it on my Kindle, so I apologize for people who maybe can't see that, but it's Church Leadership Essentials. Uh, it's a fantastic resource that, you know, you should check out a great, if you over the holiday season got your new Kindle, uh, you should buy this book. Uh, it's only $5, come on. Uh, but what are the, the chapters in there that I want to really drill into for churches, because I think a lot of churches could benefit from this, uh, is how to be more irresistible, how to create a more irresistible church. And you actually talk about four different things uh, in that chapter. And so I think that's a great thing for all of us. It'd be great in 2014 if our churches are more irresistible than they were uh, in 2013. So let's talk about those four areas. What's the first area that churches should be thinking about when they think about wanting to be more irresistible? Well, in the book and in my writing and teaching, I talk about the four areas, and the first area is first impressions, uh, and that, as you know, starts um, before they come to uh, the actual physical campus. I include your online presence in that. I include your use of social media, your church website. Um, uh, a lot of things, uh, most people nowadays, uh, the overwhelming majority of people will check out your church online before they ever come to it physically. But uh, once they get there, um, Mark Waltz from Granger has a great quote in one of his books where he talks about you've got 10 minutes somewhere between the parking lot and the children's center. Hmm. The 10 minutes pass. They should know they matter to us before they hear how much they matter to God. So. I like to focus on those first 10 minutes and letting people know that they are welcome, that they are loved, and that, they, and that we were expecting them. Uh, one of the things I found when I work uh, in my consulting with some of the largest and fastest growing churches in the country is the fastest growing churches in the country actually expect guests. They're not surprised when guests show up. Oh, wow, it's, that's like they, it's like they've geared everything towards 
the first-time guests and, and everything from uh, welcome centers to um, uh, children's check-in to signage to parking lot greeters. Um, everything is geared towards that first-time guest, and they are ready and waiting and expecting guests to show up. And so just having that good first impression in that first 10 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, is there something that you've come across that a church has done on that kind of first impression stuff that's been particularly you know, intriguing to you? You're like, wow, that's something I've never seen before, to kind of make those first-time guests uh, feel you know, extra special and welcome as they arrive. Yeah, uh, a lot of churches that I've worked with will do some kind of uh, either a VIP room after the service or a guest central after the service or a meet the pastor, uh, some kind of uh, opportunity where you go into a, a separate uh, room decorated like a party atmosphere. I, like, I love the VIP rooms that churches do. Right. And um, and they have the uh, little uh, giveaways and maybe a little kit or a, a bag with goodies in it and stuff about the church um, to welcome people. And then you get to actually physically shake the pastor's hand and meet him and, and some of the other key leaders of the church. But uh, some kind of way that they get to make that connection on the first visit. And uh, actually, when I, when I consult with churches, one of the key things that I look at in my report is is the pastor approachable? Is he accessible? Mm -hmm. And um, that's something that visitors are looking for. Can are they going to get a chance to talk to him, to hug him, to pray with him? And so um, that's that's what I like to see as uh, at the end of a service uh, to have some kind of guest central or, or or visitor stop where people can come in and meet the key leaders. Ah, that's that's amazing. I remember it's a great great tip. Uh, my wife Christine and I, when we were first married, it was within the first year. Um, we were looking for a new church. You know, we had moved into a new community, and um, we went and visited. It was kind of like you know the church, one of those churches that was blowing and going in town. It was doing a great job. And, um, you know, during the service, the church, you know, said, hey, we've got this newcomer room. We'd love for you to be there. You probably see where this is going. Um, and, you know, they had some signage out in the, in the foyer saying, like, hey, here's, uh, you know, where the new, newcomer's room is. And, um, and so we went, and it was a little bit weird because it was, like, downstairs and kind of off in a corner. And I was like, well, that's kind of bizarre. And, but anyways, it's fine. We went and we, we go and, and we stand as sure enough a big sign right in front of the door, you know, newcomers in here. Um, and we go in there and we just stand there and there's no one there in the room. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I'm like a Christ follower. I love Jesus big time. And we're standing there feeling like so awkward, so like what's going to happen next? And nobody ever came in. And so then yeah. we just kind of slink back. poor execution, off. yeah. <laughs> you know, we slink back out to the parking lot. You know, I felt terrible. That's a great church, you know, and it's one of those every weekend, you know, and I've often thought of that with guest services stuff in our church and the churches yeah. I've worked with because, you know, that's a great church. They do a great job. They're, they're doing a lot of fantastic things. And, you know, there's there are weekends when things just go wrong and you know your normal system doesn't happen but you know what the reality of it is there's church there's people that visit every weekend and so you have to nail that stuff 52 yeah. weeks a year or however many weeks a year you do services so you yeah. got you got to you got to give it attention you got to give it your presence and uh, make it a priority and um, one thing i like to help churches do as a resource is just brainstorm and think through creative names you know i mentioned mm. you could call it 
a VIP room. You could call it a guest central. You could call it a newcomer's welcome. Uh, one, one of the, my favorites is Irma McManus at Mosaic in L.A. calls it the after party. And right. so they have an after party after each service where you can meet the campus pastor and you can meet Erwin if he's there live. But um, uh, yeah, just love great. to throw out different ideas. Yeah, it's fantastic. The um, on that front too, I love um, you know still to this day, but you know Bill Hybels at uh, which I'm you know this I find humbling you know after all these years of hanging around at the front of the service you know at the you know he he will hang there and talk to absolutely every person that comes down and wants to shake a hand and interact and I you know I'm I I think you know there's a lot of pastors of churches that aren't 30,000 people or however big Willow's got to these days um, who you know they'll like I've got things to do I've, I'm a busy person right um, but you know I, I I'm often you know commend Bill on that you know hey he's yes. willing to stand around I had, I had brought a new friend to uh, Willow within the last year and we were at their last service and you know we kinda did the tour thing and walked around checked everything out and came back and sure enough you know we just poked our head in the main auditorium and it's this is now an hour after the last service and Bill's still standing down front shaking hands talking to people and I'm like yes. that's it's, it's a that's a humbling sign for me because I think I'm yes. often just rushed on Sundays it speaks it speaks volumes um, I um uh, when I when I consulted with Twelve Stone in Atlanta, uh, their pastor Kevin is down front at the end of each service, and they were just recently named the fastest growing church in the nation. But he's down front, um, praying with people, hugging people, crying with people, talking with people, counseling with people after each and every one of their multiple services. And so, um, you know, and we 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 all have that. Um, uh, potential to be rushed, like you talked about, it's human nature. Mm -hmm. I uh, I wrote a chapter in this book uh, about walking slowly through the pews, mm -hmm. and um, that is something that I learned uh, many years ago, nearly 20 years ago, from my uh, veteran uncle who had been a minister for many years. Um, he came up to me after one of the services, and I said, "What did you think?" Because I thought I I was a worship leader, and I thought I'd done a good job leading the music, and <laughs> That was all I thought that mattered. And right. he said, Greg, walk slowly through the pews. He said, you rushed right by people. He said, you just you mm. just rushed down the aisle, and you were always in a hurry to get places, and you didn't make eye contact and shake hands and speak to people. And so I never forgot that. And so mm. we have to always try to be intentional about walking slowly through the pews. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good bit of wisdom for sure. All right, so first impressions, that's the first area. What's, that, what's the next area we should be worrying about in uh, 2014 if we want to have our church be more irresistible than last year? Uh, children's ministry. Uh, okay. You know, we as uh, uh, evangelical modern churches are often trying to reach uh, parents with young kids and um, how you uh, welcome kids when they come, uh, how your rooms are decorated, all that speaks volumes, what they learn in class, you know, is it just babysitting or do they actually mm -hmm. learn stuff about the Bible and about God and uh, great churches send kids home with uh, um, devotional material or, or homework to uh, go over with their parents. Uh, I love the Orange philosophy and the, mm -hmm. the thought of um, partnering with parents where um, we send uh, resources home uh, at, at my church with the kids for them to uh, show their parents and the parents bring it up over dinner and say, 
Okay, so this Sunday you talked about Daniel. What did Daniel do? And you, you go and it leads into discussion. And then it actually in some ways is kind of a reverse discipling where you disciple the parents because a lot of the parents mm. aren't strong Christians or, or aren't Christians at all. But uh, the big three that I always talk about when I talk about children's ministry, and there's a chapter on the book in this, is um, clean, safe, and secure. Your children's ministries have to be clean, safe, and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, clean, if a parent drops off a, uh, a child and the room is a wreck, it just looks like it wasn't prepared for, it's not sanitized, it's not um, uh, presentable, it's not nice, neat, and tidy. Um, then uh, it's going to give a negative impression. Again, they're going to feel like you weren't expecting guests, and um, they're going to um, get a, a negative impression, and you don't want anything negative in that first 10 minutes. Uh, clean, safe, and secure. Safe means that there's nothing dangerous in the room. There's <laughs> nothing, no uh, jagged corners or, you know, uh, uh, little corners sticking off of the edge of some old rusty table that a kid could fall and cut their eye open on or, right right um, something like that you know it's got to be it's got to be safe and, um, and and then last secure it's got to be secure uh, how you get in how you get out how a child gets checked out uh, that's why so many uh, churches use database systems like fellowship one and others now where uh, you get the name badge you get the name tag uh, and you have to have a matching number to check your child out. Um, and also secure, meaning there's not a back door that's unattended in the children's facility where the um, kid could wander out in the street and get kidnapped or picked up. Or You know, it's got to be. Uh, at my church, there was one way in and one way out of the children's part of the building. Right. And those were monitored by security guards. Uh, we had a great security team. And, um, and you didn't get out with a child unless you had a matching sticker, and so it was very secure, clean, safe, and secure. Ah, very cool. Um, are there, you know, on the, the children's ministry front, are there some kind of common, you know, low-hanging fruit, you know, things that, that churches could put in, implement, you know, even in these first couple months of the year? Because I, I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed. You know, it's easy to go to, you know, a church like North Point or, you know, Mariners out west and be like, oh, my goodness, like, we can't, this is Disneyland, we're not going to be able to do that. But are, are there some kind of low-hanging fruits that you could think that churches could implement, you know, even right away, um, to help improve their children's ministry. Yeah, uh, we recently, uh, uh, the church where I most recently served as campus pastor, we were a multi-site church, and we moved into a new campus, a new facility. And uh, I wanted to do something like North Point Mariners, uh, kind of a Wacky World theme, uh, where Wacky World comes in and decks out the walls. But we couldn't afford it, and so we hired a local... uh, a designer, a local print shop, to make us some of those appliques that stick to the wall that yep. look like Wacky World. So it was done very economical, very cheap, very uh, cost-effective, but it looked uh, professional, and it looked like something that I had seen uh, because my, my old church that I was on staff at, Bentry in Dallas, they used Wacky World, and so I was familiar with what their stuff looked like, and it looked like it, but it was done by a local print shop that was very cheap and economical. And so right. um, I, my, my thing is excellence in all things. And so if you can shoot for excellence, it doesn't have to be wacky world if, if they're not in your budget and you can't afford it. 
But if you can try to, you know, I was looking at a church. I visited a church two weeks ago, and uh, they're a great church, uh, a large church, a mega church. But um, walking down the halls to their children's facilities, they were just bland. Just uh, um, it was like uh, khaki or cream walls, just walking all down the hallway. There was no bright, vibrant colors, nothing inviting, nothing exciting, letting me know that I was in the children's wing of the building. And so um, just real drab and bland. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the environment piece is a huge deal. It's amazing. Even if, you know, if you're a church here today listening in, you're just like, well, like, I'm not sure I can even afford to get some printing done. Well, you should look into it because it's actually not as expensive as you think it would be. But even if you can't afford that, you'd be amazed what you can do with paint. Um, That's what I was going to say. Paint will do it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You can, you know, repaint some walls, and um, you know, we just went through a renovation of a facility, and um, you know, it, and people are blown away by the kids' environments. They're like, "Oh my goodness, this place is amazing!" And when you step back and look at it, you're like, "Well, it's mostly paint." <laughs> you know, you know, there's yeah. some environment stuff there too, but it's mostly, uh, mostly what you're, in, you know, impacted by is that. Um, you know, there was a study done a couple years ago. You've probably heard this. Um, I believe it was Kogan that did it. I need to go back and check that reference on that. Where they they basically went and studied. They asked um, um, kids and and parents and families in these church environments where they've had kind of the wacky world, crazy environment pieces, and you know the impact that that's had on them, and you know what they feel about the church, and you know do they feel like it's a kind of place they can invite their friends, and you know it's interesting. The thing they found was for kids, um, those environments um, very quickly within a month, six weeks, they just become paint on the wall. They kids, you know, they they it just becomes kind of expected. They're like, okay, of course I go to in through a, a slide to get into my kids' environments. Right. But listen, for but parents, it's the parents, it's the parents. For parents it, it lasts for years. It's almost infinite. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's years volumes to the parents. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Years yes. later, you're still saying like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that my kids get to go on a slide uh, to go down to the kids' environment. That's, that's what I wish church leaders would realize. They think they're a three-year-old. What do they care? Give them some crayons and let them color. They don't realize we're trying to reach these 20 and 30 and 40-something-year-old parents that that their kids are precious to them. They're their pride and joy. And when they come to a church that is inviting and welcoming to kids and has that Disneyland kind of feel and that colors and that um, uh, just attractive, compelling-looking um, um, appearance, it just speaks volumes to the parents and that is included in that first 10 minutes of making that first impression where they think, my kids are happy, I'm going to be happy. Because it was clean, safe, and secure, I'm not going to worry about their safety so I can sit and worship and actually pay attention to the message. I can pay attention to what God wants to do in the service. I can allow God to speak to me, and I'm not worried if my child's going to go out that unlocked back door in the back or right. hit his head on that rough corner of the table, you know. They're not worried when it's clean, safe, and secure. They can actually focus on what God wants to do in their hearts in the worship service. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that's a huge lesson. That's one of those things I, I wish, you know, more church leaders would take to heart when they think about their, you know, their physical facility, um, you know, stuff when it comes to kill, you know, children's ministry in general. Okay, so first impressions, children's ministry. What's another area that we can kind of invest in, think about in this coming year uh, to make our church more irresistible? 
Yes, um, the third area is security, and a lot of churches don't think about this. Um, they don't. They don't think about um, that clean, safe, and secure. The word "secure" there that applies to adults as well. They want to feel secure. Hmm. And uh, I've I worked with. I'm not going to say which church it was, but it was a well-known <laughs> uh, giga church, the mega mega church with a very well-known worship leader and pastor and uh, amazing church. And I worked with them as a secret shopper, and I did my report. And, and the last question says, would I return to this church? Would I come back as a guest? And I said no. And they were stunned and shocked, but they were also pleased that somebody was honest with them and somebody would shoot right. straight with them. And that's what a consultant is supposed to do. I'm not supposed to tell you what you want to hear. And they said, um, tell us more about this. Why wouldn't you come back? We have some of the best worship in the country. And I said, but you're not secure. And I didn't see any. Hmm. Um, I didn't see any security present. I didn't see any people with ear pierces. I didn't uh, pieces. I didn't see any police officers roaming around, which should happen in mega churches. I didn't see anything that let me know that I was safe. And we just we live in a world now. You know, I'm a movie guy. I love movies. <laughs> and uh, just the other week at my local movie theater, there was a shooting that I I was almost there and almost saw it, and it would have wrecked wow. my life for the rest of my life to have seen it. But a guy, um, uh, a guy's wife w went out on a date with another guy, and the husband came and gunned down the guy, shot him five times in the movie theater parking lot. Wow. And uh, everybody around that was going to a movie saw it, and uh, and I was this close to being there and to seeing it. And um, you know, there's been a number of church shootings. There's been um, kidnappings and um, disgruntled parents, um, divorced parents coming in and grabbing their kids out of uh, kids' classes. A divorced dad taking their child without their mom knowing, and just all kinds of stuff happening. And so security, if um, if you want your church to be irresistible and to be um, um, welcoming and inviting and where, um, again, that God factor, you want people to focus on Christ and the worship service. You don't want them worrying about are their lives in danger. Um, then you got to have security measures in place. And so when I work with churches, and I, I only work with very large churches, but I'm looking for the people with earpieces piece, in their ears, I'm looking for the people with the walkie-talkies. I'm looking for people with uh, guns on them. I'm looking for the guys that give me a dirty look if I try to go somewhere I'm not supposed to go <laughs> because I'll try, I'll try to get into children's areas that I'm not supposed to get into as a secret shopper, and I'm looking for people to stop me and say, whoa, where do you think you're going? And I'm looking for that. I'm testing that security as a secret shopper. Right. And um, it's just something that uh, in this day and age, as much as I hate to say it, now we're in 2014, you got to be secure, and um, um, you have to take security seriously. Um, we had an instance uh, about two months ago at my church where I was campus pastor where uh, a guy came in drunk, uh, and he was known. He was a guy I'd been counseling about uh, alcoholism, and been trying to get him in AA, and he was too proud to go to AA. He said he could beat it on his own, but he couldn't beat it on his own. He needed to be in AA. And he had a, um, a reputation for being very violent when he got drunk and getting in a lot of bar fights and just beating people 
unconscious. He was like an MMA fighter, and he was lethal. He was could really hurt people. And so he came walking up to me on a Sunday morning and said, um, said, man, I'm sorry I failed. He said, I, I went out to a concert last night, and I had, I've been drinking all night, and I'm so sorry. And, and, um, and he was just reeking of alcohol. And so uh, I pat him on the back and said, I love you, man, and uh, said, um, uh, maybe God will speak to you today. And he went into the service. I went, as campus pastor, I went to all our security guys. We have two uh, police officers that are off-duty police officers that just always carry with them. And then uh, we have ushers and security folk and uh, some ex-military guys. And I just went to each of them, and I pointed the guy out. And I said, he's drunk. Keep an eye on him. If he makes a move for the stage, tackle him. Don't let him get to the stage. And I just had to point it out. And that's just me doing my job of keeping our church secure and safe. Thankfully, nothing happened. He, he left. He cried after the service. He said God was speaking to his heart. And he left. But um, uh, who knows how many drunk people show up in churches on a given Sunday. But, um, um, but I had every eye in there security-wise trained on him, just watching him to see if he made any sudden moves or if he tried to rush the stage. And so just got to take precautions. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, pardon the pun, but that's obviously a sobering thing to talk about. You know, yeah. it's a, you know, it's the kind of thing we don't think about a lot. Uh, but absolutely, I think that's an area that a lot of us, you know, to go back, to loop back on our security procedures for this coming year and say, okay, what is it that we, maybe we need to improve something on this front. You know, maybe we need to be a bit more proactive. Um, and some of it, some of it, this is something that doesn't get talked about often. Some of it is just um, within your first impressions ministry, you know, you have greeters, you have parking lot people, you have people that attend a welcome center. Um, or information center or guest central, but you also have ushers, and you don't you don't want to forget the art of good ushering and good ushers that um, not only see people but are active and attentive during a service. We had a situation. Um, it was a year ago, uh, last January, where uh, we were. Um, I'll never forget it because it was our last service in our old uh, our old uh, facility before we moved campuses. We were getting ready the very next week to move into our new facility as a campus, and this was our very last service in our old building, and it was a very special, meaningful service, and I shared um, memories from people because we had met in that building for five years, and I shared stories, and as I'm talking, I'm up front sitting on a stool, sharing stories from people, having a very powerful, meaningful moment. This uh, woman with dementia came mm. walking up to the front and started screaming and yelling at the congregation and talking about her husband thinking she's cheating on him. And her husband had been dead for years. He wasn't even alive. Oh, but that her husband sad. thought that she had done something with her husband's brother and she talked about people climbing in through the, her window, and she was just talking out of her mind. And in right. my mind, I was thinking, where are the ushers ushering this woman out of here? Right. Because I didn't want to be the mean, bad pastor and say, okay, be quiet, okay, be quiet. So I was patting her on the back saying, okay, 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 and I'm just patting her on the back. 
And thankfully, she wasn't mic'd. I didn't hand her a microphone, so most of the people, <laughs> most of the people couldn't hear what she was saying. It was just gibberish. But I was hearing the nonsense she was saying. Right. So we we had a a meeting after that where we said, if something like that happens, if you see anybody come up to the stage that's not supposed to be coming to the stage, you need to just grab a hold of them and say, please come with me. We need to usher you out and just just ushering, just basic ushering, just just move somebody out of the way. I've seen, I remember uh, in college seeing somebody uh, rush the stage and try to take a swing at the pastor as he was preaching. And um, I've seen a lot of stuff in my days, you know, 20, <laughs> 20 years of ministry. And so uh, security is just important. You want people to feel safe at church. If somebody tries to uh, run at the pastor and try to take a swing at him. You remember years ago, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley's right. dad got punched, got punched right. in the face. Um, you know, when stuff like that happens, people don't feel secure and safe. And so right. we just got to take precautions. That's all I'm saying is take precautions. Yeah, that's, good. that's good. That's a good one. All right. So first impressions, children's ministry, security, which we just talked about. And then what's the fourth area that we could, you know, be looking at in this coming year? Uh, that would be... Uh, Excellence in attractional worship, and uh, that means that uh, you put everything you got into into that. Whether you meet on Saturday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night, into that uh, worship experience or worship experiences, giving it in everything you've got from um, worship flow, song selection, authenticity, your communication, preaching, teaching. Um, sound, video, and lights, everything you've got, um, making services memorable and um, powerful. And um, I think of that passage where it says, go out and compel them to come in, you know, where um, things uh, are so are done in such a way, and we really had this at my last church, where um, it was such an amazing worship experience that people wanted to tell their friends about it. And I remember years ago attending the evangelism conference at Willow Creek and hearing Bill Hybels talking about the success of Willow Creek has always been and will always be people inviting people. Right. And, and, I, and that was hard for me to hear because I'm a marketing guy. I'm big in the marketing. <laughs> I, I, can, I can market with the best of it. I, I'm big in the marketing, but, um, but I needed to hear it's about people inviting people. At the end of the so day, true. it's word of mouth. Word of yeah. mouth is always, if somebody who's studied marketing, word of mouth will always be the best form of marketing. And right. so when you, uh, when you craft services where people can encounter the living God and, and where um, they are, are, are guest friendly and you don't use churchy talk, um, you don't say anything that you would have to explain and get into the Greek, into theological uh, reasons of why you use that word. Um, uh, we we try to avoid all churchy lingo and uh, talk uh, just like you and I are talking right now, just very common, uh, casual, right. conversational language, and um, and make it where our people feel safe. And so you have your core there. You have your people that are attending and that trust you and love you. And trust is that key word. They have to trust you. And then they feel comfortable and they have that person that they've been building a relationship with at work or at school. And then they say, um, hey, um, why don't you come check out our church? I really think you'd like it. It's not like any other church. Um, give it a shot. And then um, 
and then everybody tells those stories of the the week that their their guest that they've been inviting for so long finally shows up, right. and they have that they have that cringe factor. They they are thinking, oh, I hope everything goes all right. I hope I hope the pastor doesn't say something stupid. I hope he doesn't preach on money today. You know, <laughs> right, right, exactly. But, um, you know, they're they're always they're always they're, they have that cringe factor of they want everything to be perfect, and they see that the stakes are high. And they uh, they want it to be a great uh, service for for their guests that they've been praying for, and so we as as pastors, as worship leaders, as service programmers, um, creative directors, we we are always um, aware and sensitive to the fact that it's somebody's first time at our church, right? And that happens each and every Sunday. It is somebody's first time at our church. And we want to make sure that uh, they are not um, um, offended by anything that um, is out of our control. If they get offended by the gospel, we can't help that. You know, the gospel can be offensive, but if they if they are offended by bad lighting, or bad uh, bad communication, poor communication, or uh, music that's not done with excellence, and um, you have an off day musically, uh, it just turns people off, and so. Um, just doing your best when it comes to the actual worship experience. Absolutely, you know that's um, you know I think that's one of those lessons to let just soak in and be like, wow, there's a lot there, there's a lot to unpack. Um, but continuing to invest in what actually happens on Sunday from your own teaching to what happens, you know, in the musical piece of the morning and all of those individual elements. And maybe you take one or two of those and say, you know, we're going to work, I'm going to spend three months just working on with our musicians to say, how can we bring this up? How do we bring the quality up from there? And then maybe say, okay, we're going to, then we'll take another three months or six months and work just on my teaching and on, on that piece and, you know, work your way through the service to bring the quality of the entire experience up so that it does have that kind of attractional, you know, outsider focused. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, you know, one of the things, I, and I want people to understand, uh, today we, um, you know, this is a bit awkward, uh, but, you know, we've had, this whole conversation has been based on one chapter from Greg's book. Now, I don't, I'm not like a book sales guy, but you really should pick up this book. Um, you know, it's today we've been talking really just about one piece of this, um, and we've pulled a lot out. It's been like a half an hour conversation. And the thing I love about uh, this particular book, Church Leadership Insights, What Every Pastor Needs to Know, it's similar to the kind of content we do at uh, on seminary, where it's just really practical. It's the kind of things that they just don't teach in seminary. They're not they're not wrestling through this kind of content. And so I think it's the kind of thing, you know, you could pull apart, you could use it in a training situation with your team, you know, buy a bunch of copies for everybody and use it in that environment or just walk through it and say okay what is it what is the what is this chapter what difference does this chapter make in our church um, and how do we just go out and apply that um, you know are there anything else anything else on this content Greg that you want us to kind of wrestle through uh, before we move on to the lightning round no I was just gonna say uh, you know when I first came to my campus uh, they were in decline and they were struggling and um, I was actually the third campus pastor in three years and they had <laughs> They had dropped down to a very low number of people and were really struggling. And so I just went into evaluation and assessment mode as a consultant. I had been a consultant before I came to the church. And I started looking at what the weak links were. And they were first impressions and children's ministry and worship. Those were the weak links at our church. So I, uh, I hired a part-time children's minister 
And if money's an issue, don't let it be because I could have done it with a lay leader. I could have done right. a, a lay leader as a children's uh, minister, but uh, I hired a, a very part-time children's pastor to uh, kids pastor to oversee kids and take that up to the next level. And then we made a transition in our worship. We had an interim worship guy. We uh, transitioned him now, did a uh, nationwide search for a full-time worship pastor and brought in a guy who uh, uh, was great. He was from a, a North Point Strategic Partner Church, um, one of Andy Stanley's Strategic Partners churches, and uh, he did a great job, and he got our concept of a church for unchurched people and reaching the lost, and he took our worship to a whole new level, and so we started slowly turning things around. And then, honestly, uh, First Impressions was always a work in progress. We were we would uh, we doubled or tripled our, our team in size, but we kept adding greeters. We added a parking lot team. Uh, we added uh, people, two people covering the uh, the information center, and just started uh, expanding the role of ushers and and um, just started putting a lot of beef and emphasis into those areas. But so it was something very real for me when I write about this. This is what I was dealt when I came to this campus as campus pastor. These were the weak links and what I had to address, and so, uh, the, the, and so all of, all of my writing is born just out of experience. And like you said, it's not stuff they teach you in seminary. It's not stuff they teach you in Bible college. This is just stuff you learn the hard way. And so I hope it helps people. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. All right. Well, here we are in the lightning round with Greg Atkinson. We're going to jump into uh, a series of questions that we ask everybody that's on the show here, just to kind of get a sense of what's going on in our various guests' lives. So, Greg, what's an online resource that you're using th these days that you're finding particularly helpful? Um, I'm big into Gmail and uh, Google Hangout. Uh, obviously, we're we're doing Google Hangout right now, but I find myself using it all the time. I used to be a Skype guy, but uh, it seems like uh, every week I have numerous meetings via Google Hangout. So it's it's a go-to resource for me right now. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I was just. I was just having this conversation with another uh, church leader. They wanted to do a series of meetings. They were like, want to do it on Skype. I'm like, I really want to do it on Google Hangout. Um, I Eventually, I relinquished and was like, okay, fine. But I'm hoping to get them over to Google Hangout. It's fantastic. It's a great yeah. uh, a great tool. Uh, what's a book you've read in the last you know, six months to a year that's impacting your, your ministry? Well, I've got, uh, I was going to mention, I've got three books that I'm reading right now. I like to read books all at once. I, I, I read a little bit in each one, and I'm reading one for the second time because it's, it's uh, spoken volumes to me, and that is Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Mm -hmm. um, and I, years ago, I read the book Emotional Intelligence. Um, actually, uh, in my uh, early years, in my early 20s, um, just... Um, being rough around the edges, somebody, uh, a wise mentor suggested it to me and said, Greg, you need to read Emotional Intelligence and you need to wrestle with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm still reading it all these years later. I'm reading Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I'm reading uh, Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp, mm. um, which is a great book about how all over America God is breaking pastors of pride. And God recently has been breaking me of my pride over the last two to three months. God has just shattered my world and has been breaking me of pride. And so um, uh, somebody told me and suggested that I read Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. And so I picked that up. 
and uh, been reading and rereading that and going back to several chapters again. And then I picked up this book um, <clears throat> that um, by Guy Kawasaki. Um, Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Um, what the Plus, Google Plus for the rest of us. And uh, I just wanted to understand Google Plus better. I love Google Hangout. I love Gmail. I love Google. But I didn't fully get Google Plus. And uh, he makes a strong case for why he thinks it's the best social network. And so I just wanted to understand it better. And so I'm a, you know, readers are re uh, learners, leaders are readers, and leaders are lifelong learners. And so I wanted to, um, um, understand Google Plus better. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, what's another ministry or you know one or two that are you're looking at these days that's kind of inspiring you? Well, I uh, I live in Missouri right now, Joplin, Missouri, right in the middle of the country, but I'm a Southeast guy. I was uh, born and raised and started out my ministry in the Southeast, so I keep my eyes on a lot of churches back in the Southeast that I'm familiar with and that I visit when I go back home. Mm -hmm. um, churches like Cross Point in Nashville, North Point in Atlanta, Twelve Stone in Atlanta, and then my two South Carolina churches because I'm born and raised in South Carolina, New Spring and Seacoast are churches that I keep an eye on. Nice, fantastic, all great churches, obviously. Yeah, and they're all multi-site. I, I have a, a a real heart for multi-site churches, and I always keep my eye on multi-site churches, and so that's something they all have in common. Yeah, very cool. And they all do it differently. They all do multi-site differently. Yeah, those all have very different models, for sure, of the way they yeah. do campuses. Um, who's a leader, if you could spend 15 minutes with them, they need to be alive today, uh, you know, who would that leader, who would you like to, who would you like that leader to be? John Maxwell. Hmm. Why is that? Because I've read so many of his books, I just want to pick his brain one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I've got to hear him speak numerous times live, and uh, I'm a leadership book uh, lover. I love reading all his leadership books, but um, he's just got such a wealth of knowledge. I'd love just to sit and have a coffee with him and just pick his brain. Very cool. Nice. All right. Well, so when you're not speaking, writing, consulting, running around the country, helping churches, uh, what do you do for fun? How do you just kind of kick back and uh, you know enjoy yourself? Um. Date nights with my wife, um, hanging with my kids. I'm a big movie guy, as I mentioned earlier. I'm always seeing the latest movie. Um, and then um, I will um, uh, do some guys' night out every now and then where I just get together with some guy friends and we have a night out or go catch a ball game. Nice. So fun. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you being on the show today. We've mentioned the book. I'll also link to it in the show notes over at unseminary.com. Uh, uh, but how if people, if they want to get in touch with you to learn more about you and your ministry, how can they do that? What's the best way to do that? Yes, yeah, just my name. Uh, you can find me at gregatkinson.com, and you can email me at greg at gregatkinson.com. This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, so thankful that Greg decided to be on the show with us today. What a great way to kick off a new year here at the Unseminary Podcast. It's going to be a fantastic year. we got a lot of really cool stuff planned for this coming year, and I hope you'll be along with us for the ride. Uh, make sure you drop by the show notes, because today I've got some links to some really cool stuff that Greg talked about, and also uh, an article on uh, guest services that I thought might kind of um, help kind of augment today's conversation, add a little bit more. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's the first weekend of the 
the new year, uh, go into this weekend uh, ready to serve and love and care for the people who are there. Uh, And we'll see you next Thursday on the Unseminary Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary Podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary Podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>